What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Busy Sticks. If you like video games, you are in the right spot. This is the Geekiverse's all-video game talk show. I'm Josiah Leroy. I can't wait to talk some more video games. It's just It almost feels like it needs to happen more than once a week. But right now, that's what we're doing. So, Mr. Baba Yaga himself, John, are you ready to talk some video games? I sure am. More than once a week. That'd be, that'd be, that'd be tough. We, we, we kind of stretch coming up with an idea for the topic of the week this week. It's been a... I mean, it's it's the beginning of the year, so it's, you know it's going to be slow. We just kind of finished the holiday burnout, you know, all the all the heavy hitters hitting the holiday season. Now we've got a, a little bit of a lull, but I'm always out and talk video games, always. Well, take a breath while you can, because if you didn't watch last week's episode, we talked about the biggest games of 2022, and once they start hitting, they're going to hit fast. So we can't wait to get there. Uh, on today's episode, we've got some topics coming your way. Are are video games too big nowadays? This uh, question comes as a result of the the weird flex from Techland, who's the the creator of Dying Light 2, the soon-to-be-released AAA game. Uh, Also, this is a big deal here, we're going to wrap up and recap the Geekiverse Fantasy Critic 2021 results. It was me, John, JT, Tim Talbot, and Derek Kramer. Some of us had a great year, some not so much. Some were in the middle. We're going to talk about what those draft picks look like as we preview more for 2022. John, you look like you got something to say about No, nothing. Critic. I just can't wait. Till, I mean, it's just such a fun, <laughs> it's just such a fun topic for specifically for me for, I don't know. I don't know why, but we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. It's going to be a fun, fun topic. Well, this is getting out of hand already. Anyway, <laughs> what is in our system? But first, what is about to be in our system? John, I'm going to let you go first this week. What, what are we drinking here on this episode of Busy Sticks? Alright, so uh, I think last week was the week I went with uh, Lawson's Sip of Sunshine. Lawson's Finest Liquids, one of my favorite IPAs you can get here in uh, in Western, Western New York. Not from Western New York, it's a Vermont brewery. Um, this guy, also along the same lines, this is the Triple Sunshine. So I didn't know this existed. Um, I don't know if this just started coming to Buffalo this year. I mean, I'm sure this is like a, a time thing where they do it every, you know, a certain time of the year. It's maybe come in the past. I've just never seen it. I've been drinking Sip of Sunshine for years and I've never seen the Triple Sunshine. So I saw this last week. I picked up a four pack and it is uh, certainly a triple IPA. So uh, it's, it's up there in ABV. <laughs> I did say things were getting out of hand. Look at that. Going for the triple IPA. That looks just delicious. Um, so I, I've been feeling a little bit under the weather here. I'm feeling way better than I did a few days ago, but, um, I'm, I'm playing it safe here. I, uh, I have a, <laughs> a, a newer, a lesser known IPA. This is called, um, a fruit punch energy drink from, from Rockstar. Nice. Now it does tie, tie into video games a little bit, just a little bit. We've got Master Chief on the can there, so a little bit of Halo Infinite in Wait, terms of. Isn't it also Rockstar? Same people who make what's that? It's also Rockstar, the same people who make Grand Theft Auto. Exactly, it's, it's definitely the same company. Is it not? Of course, it just is. like that that beer beer company that also made Death Stranding. It's just it's all the same folks. Yeah, has to be. All right, pouring that real quick here. Yeah, so I, I made up for oh, it. Oh, that week. is like a- Joe's not having a beer, so I'm having a triple <laughs> IPA with uh, you know 10.5 percent alcohol. So the there's only there's only one beer here, but the amount of alcohol is is probably equal equal to what it is on a normal episode. Now, hang on, folks. Let me just see. This is sixteen fluid ounces. Okay, so that's good. Uh, John, cheers, my. She, that is very red. That's that is very red. <laughs> that is like this cannot be good for me. And I was just about to say that, and then I'm like, you know what? I'm holding literal poison, so like I probably shouldn't say that. That's not good for you. 
you know, it's it's totally <sighs> fine. That is like wow. That My that gosh. that color red does not exist in nature. <laughs> you can you can travel you can travel the earth for as many years as you want. You're never bringing me back that color red. Also in person, that is that is almost looking a little bit more pink. Like uh, I don't really know truly what I'm putting in my body here. Right. But, uh, I got to ramp up for this and for another another show that we've got recording right after this. Little little known uh, IP called Star Wars. We're going to be talking about. So I got to be excited for that. Tim told talked to me yesterday. He's like, you got to be energized if you're going to do this. Well, no better way. I feel like I'm talking faster already. <laughs> but goodness gracious, uh, show and tell. My week here. Um, Oh, gosh, Lindy, please don't pull down the whole set here. <laughs> uh, my dad, actually, so we talked a, a few episodes back about just good gaming memories and that we, we always talk Halo, right? Like, that's going to be perpetually in our system moving forward. Um, John talked about his dad uh, going on his lunch during the release of Halo 3. So John could play it when he got home from school. Well... My dad was very thoughtful in, in getting me something Halo. Little little late Christmas gift, but we got the Master Chief here. Uh, basically, it it's a just a, a statue, but it, it holds your, your controller or your phone. Yeah, that's awesome. It's going to go right on the shelf behind me for f- future episodes. But like, for example, Dude. You know, hold, holds your controller. That's so Kind of cool. purdy. I've always loved you those know. things. Yeah, so thank you, Dad, for this. And Mom, of course, uh, very much in love with this. And that will be standing next to, to actually, on this side of me for a future okay, episode. Okay, now we got to get you the Halo uh, Elite controller to go on that thing. we got to pull some strings. We have to. Somebody watching, help people. us find, Joe, a, a Halo Elite controller to go on that little controller holster. It's only right. It's only right. I'm, I'm ready to invest. I want to change. You're right. Give me the opportunity to go but and do that. You know what? Those Those controller holders are sweet. And I'm thinking about... Like so, I'm in the middle of a move right now. We're we're closing soon. Things are coming down to the wire here. But I'm I have I'm a huge I have been in the past a huge Funko Pop collector. Have tons of them. I have like over a hundred of them. And like as I've started to box off box up this office, I'm like, oh, there are too many of these things. I don't want to move them all. So I've actually been selling a bunch of them rather than moving them and some extra money in the pocket, whatever. Um, but I'm I'm planning on getting rid of a good amount so I can like feel good about buying some more like office toys. Maybe I'll get one of those cool uh, controller holders. Those are sweet. I've seen a few different characters. I cannot recall which other ones, but uh, Master Chief was the one where I was like, you know, if I could have one, that's the one. I've seen a really so, cool uh, yeah. Miles Morales one, which was awesome. Oh, very nice. Uh, John, we know a little sunshine is in your system. Uh, what else is in your system if we're talking video games? What what have you been playing? It, it, we got the the January lull here. Wow. That, that, was, that could have been perfect if I made a different choice this morning. That could have been a, a very good transition that you didn't even know of. Um, so first of all, I am beyond proud to announce that I have finished 100% Super Mario 3D World. I have, I have completed Champions Road. So there is, uh, there's, so the the final, um, not hidden, but the the extra. There's there's one, two, three, four extra worlds after you actually like beat the game and, and roll credits, right? So there's like world one through six, and the final world is like the Bowser world. And then after you beat that, there's four special worlds after the after the fact. Um, those are all super hard. And those are the ones that I've been talking about on the show that I've been churning through and, you know, taking my time with, cause I want to get every green star and, you know, get all the stamps, stuff like that. I've been slowly making my way through them. Uh, sometime last week I got to that final world. It is, uh, it is world crown and man, there's only three levels. One is a captain toad level, which is probably the hardest captain toad level in the game, but it's not hard at all. The other is this green star marathon 
where if you've played the game, if, if you remember the way those levels go, you they're like a bunch of mini levels and you have to get a green star and you only have like five seconds to do it. And there are 30 of them. If you mess up one, you go back to the beginning. I can't tell you how many times I was on star number like 26 and it was a very difficult one for me. And I went back and I had to do all 25 again. That one was very tough, but beat that. I have been working on the final level, Champions Road, for what feels like a month, but it's only been a couple of days. I've just put so many attempts into this. You look it up, there are people out there that say that Champions Road is the most difficult 3D Mario level that exists. And I haven't played them all, but I'm up there to, you know, I would be inclined to agree. That level is such a pain in the ass, but I beat it. And the feeling when I beat it yesterday was just like unbelievable. Like it felt like beating Cuphead, that whole game condensed into that one level it was so frustrating so much fun but i finally beat it i got it done johnny boy i'm proud of you i you took the words right out of my mouth just always on the same page here i was gonna say what what felt better cuphead or this cuphead cuphead for sure cuphead is it's spaced across a game right it's just constant where this not so much different experience but yeah interesting to say it's yeah, it's it's a similar feeling because it's like all right, most of the other stuff in the game was relatively easy to get done, but I just had to you know face this one last challenge, and this was super difficult. So to be able to say that I fully beat the game, I have to beat this level, and of course this level just ramps it up tenfold. So it was nuts, but I did it. Yeah, that impressive and, stuff, dude. And the and the reason I said it was almost a perfect transition is because I am addicted to 3D Mario games now. You would think that after all this time and all this, you know, effort and frustration playing this game, especially those last two levels, I'd be burnt out. Can't get enough. That's all I want to do right now is play 3D Mario games. And I started a new one today, and I almost went with Mario Sunshine. Because you, you kicked this <laughs> off with saying, I've got a little sunshine in my system. I almost had that twofold. But I didn't go with Sunshine. I've played a little bit of Mario Sunshine before when that, when that trilogy of remasters, whatever called, uh, 3D All-Stars, I think. When that came out, I, I dabbled with Sunshine, and I just didn't really like it. I played about an hour and a half. I'm like, just not digging this game. Maybe one day I'll come back. But what I do want to play, and I did start today, is Mario Galaxy. That I cannot wait to put some time into. So I had a, I had a Wii when they first came out. Uh, I picked up Mario Galaxy, but I wasn't I wasn't huge into like single player games back then. I was kind of just doing I was playing my Halos and my Call of Duties and like dabbling with Wii Sports and stuff like that. I'm like, oh cool, Mario, I'll try it out. I didn't put too much time into Mario Galaxy when I had my my Wii back in the day, so I'm excited to, to you know be on this Mario kick and, and to really dive into that one. What's funny is that is the only game of the three on that collection that I, I played last year, and I for whatever reason I was like, that's the well. I played bits and pieces of the other ones, but this is the one I, I went beginning to end on. Um, so I just was all about it, and I had a blast. I would say it's probably my second favorite uh, mainline Mario game behind Odyssey. Really have okay. a, a soft spot for Odyssey. It just was like the, the perfect time for me. Um, and when it came to Galaxy, I think a lot of that resonated as well. Now, what's also funny is that Lauren had a Wii and had that game pretty much at launch way back when it came out, um, and I just never played it. So we have the the Wii copy on our shelf downstairs, but just never got to it until right. this collection. But definitely recommend it. I think Sunshine is is maybe on my list at some point this year. I think my goal is to get through them all. I want to be able to tell you what I think. I mean, I just I love Mario games, man. They're just so much fun, and like this, I, I love when I get this little this hankering to play through them because this has happened before. And this that's how I got started with 3D World, but that was like almost a year ago, and then something big came out, and I never really stuck with that. But since we're in the middle of so many different releases, I think I want to truly commit and try to get through as many 3D Mario games as I can. I think that's a 
a good plan. It's a little bit of cleanup time. Uh, for me, I, last week I talked about Star Wars Republic Commando. Finished that off. Nothing really truly remarkable. It's okay. Like I wouldn't recommend doing this uh, or going through that playthrough unless you're a Star Wars fan. Uh, that That's about the, the saving grace for it. And um, what has really had my attention, which, man, it's, it's a different kind of stress, John. You, you've got the stress of, of challenge. I've got the stress of just pure horror. I've been going through Resident Evil 7. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, so yeah. Um, I'm eight hours in. I can't be that far from, from the end of the game. I want to say it's about a 10-hour game. Um, I adored, not having been a fan previous to this, but in the last few years, I played Resident Evil Remake 2 and 3. Those were phenomenal. So I had to get into this. I wanted to play Resident Evil 8 uh, last year, especially seeing that it came out. And uh, I wanted to see where it would maybe rank on my, my game of the year list. Didn't get there. That's okay. Got a discount copy of Resident Evil 8, which means I had to play 7 first. This is not for the faint of heart. I can't even tell you, dude. Um, I don't know if I'm a big baby or whatnot, but this is intense. And what is is crazier is playing it with headphones. Like it oh, just yeah. makes it way, way worse. <laughs> just yeah. Oh my gosh. I don't know how like horror fans do it, but it's it's really good. It's it's really well written. There was stuff early in the game that kind of was a little obnoxious to me, but I got past that pretty quick. And I'm playing not just for the sake of trying to get to the end of it to prove that I can. I'm playing truly because I want to know what happens. Awesome. Um, that's that's a good that, endorsement. That is, yeah, I, I think that's that's saying something, especially if it's gonna go into uh, you know, uh, a second entry when it comes to Resident Evil 8. But the most shocking thing I think of all of this, John, is Resident Evil 7 is five years old now. That doesn't sound right. That that sounds like an attack. <laughs> Don't say that. <laughs> right? Like That's weird. It took me a, a second to be like, this didn't come out. Resident Evil 2 remake came out in 2019. So I'm like, holy crap. And sure enough, uh, January 2017, this game came out. That is just bonkers to me. That's crazy. I've been playing out on PS5. Um, obviously, this was a native PS4 release, but it's part of the, the PS Plus collection. And um, things that really, really stand out to me in this are the the shadowing. Like, when you, I mean, this is the first Resident Evil that's first person, which is just absolutely mind-blowing to me that we anyone thought this was a good idea because I'm losing years off my life playing this game. You think first person's bad? Uh, Imagine sh- VR. <laughs> oh, no. I've been thinking about it. I was like, I can't. I can't do it. I won't do it. Um, no amount of videos, no amount of money raised on a stream. Not doing it. Zero with person. Um, <laughs> can't. Um, but yeah, it's just the the level of artistry that's in this is truly awesome. <laughs> Excuse me. So that's it. That's all I've been playing here to kind of uh, cleanse that that palette here before we get into some of the the newer releases coming up. Cool. Uh, last week we asked a question of the week we said do you have a vr device a virtual reality device and if not are you planning to get one john did you want to read just some of the responses that we got yeah we're on going, social media we're going back to back with some of our favorite uh audience members engaging here so first uh, uh our friend pete chesick pete has had two vr device vr devices he's had the quest one and two so the Oculus Quest, he liked that so much, he felt the need to get the, the Quest Two, which is which is awesome. That's the one that I think I'm so back and forth between. Do I do I double down and go with a Quest, or do I just wait for PSVR? 
there's just some, there's a lot about the Quest that is really interesting to me, and the fact that it's fully wireless, the fact that it has its own little store, and you can kind of sideload some games on there and stuff like that. It's just a much more open platform than PSVR is going to PSVR two is going to be. So I'm very curious about the Oculus. Uh, but we've also got uh, Rob Coons, another uh, repeat answer here. Um, hey, he do- Robbie. He does have VR uh, for PS4. He started Art Resident Evil Seven years ago and has not put it back on since. So to come, oh my god, come full circle. It's 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 you know RE Seven scared the headset off of him. What a segue! See, we didn't even talk about like games that would detract you from this. And sure enough, we're both talking about Resident Evil Seven here in a matter of minutes. That's Rob. Funny. How are you still alive, man? Thanks, thanks for writing in, guys. That's crazy. Wow, you're you're a better men than I am. Yeah. Um, and I'll, I'll tell you. The week. Uh, well, I'll tell you right, right now. So that's that's like my biggest that's my biggest draw to VR is horror. I love I love horror, man. I just love being scared. It's so much fun. So <laughs> especially being like immersed with headphones on and stuff like that. Like that is like all October. I'm just watching scary movies with headphones on, just like by myself in a dark room. So I just I love that stuff. So that's a huge draw to me is is, is VR horror games. I finally found our difference. There it is, right there. It's craziness. I want to just uh, snip that and just make that. I just love being scared. <laughs> I just love being scared. <laughs> she says it so cheerfully. It's, yeah. just, it's so wrong. Um, I, I'll say this. I like jump scares, which is what this is uh, when we're talking Resident Evil. I don't. I, I think we've all talked about this before. Like, I don't like some of the, the horror elements of, of films and, and games when it comes to just like gore and like all right how much can we gross you out to me that's that's a whole different genre total Uh, different balance there i want the the jump scare the more psychological stuff to me that that's well uh well more thought out way way more well thought out is what i'm trying to say there way more well thought out that that was not a well thought out sentence but here i am so the question of the week moving forward join us on social media whether that's facebook twitter instagram youtube uh what will be the most critically acclaimed game of 2022 so what does that mean to you is it the highest scoring is it the most well received is it the most popular among fanboys and girls you tell us what will be the most critically acclaimed game of 2022 john do you have an answer or do you want to wait no i'll answer so my answer uh is i mean it's gotta be god of war right god of war ragnarok i just think that there's not much there's not much they can do to to screw it up, I guess. But also, there's the other there's the other aspect where it's like, man, they've set the bar so high that if it's not much better, it's not going to score much better. But that doesn't need to. I would imagine that God of War is probably sitting at like a ninety to a ninety three right now on, on Metacritic. It's probably my guess. So even if it comes in at a ninety again or a ninety two, what anything, that's a, that's a tough one to beat. The not many not many nineties throughout the years, and we'll, we'll get into that later. But yeah, it can be tough. Yeah. That- it was pretty much tens across the board. It was it was near universal. It was unbelievable. So if that game comes out, I agree that's a force to be reckoned with. However, I think if this so even if God of War comes out, if this game comes out, I can't see any game toppling it in terms of how much the fans enjoy it. How and probably there will be a marriage with what this the review uh, scores look like. And I think that's the the sequel to Breath of the Wild. Mm. That is where my money would be head to head, even though I would prefer as as a, a fan or a gamer, uh, God of War Ragnarok. I just think like nothing's getting in the way of, of Zelda. There's There's been too much goodwill uh, that is built up. And speaking of games that are five years old, by the way, that one's about to turn five in, in about a month and a half. For some reason, that feels more right than uh, RE7. 
I can see that. Also, uh, Horizon about to turn five years old, which is crazy. Lots, lots going on there. So I, I think Breath of the Wild two would be the my answer there. But we'll we'll see. Love to hear the what the the reaction is. So for for, uh, for perspective and comparison on their uh, their original their first games, um, Breath of the Wild scored a ninety seven on Metacritic, Metacritic, and God of War was a ninety four. So they're both up there, but it's a pretty pretty. There's a bit of a gap there for sure. So. If they can both just deliver again, then you're going to be right. So we're going to get into some of our topics here. Before we get into um, the fantasy critic, what's funny again, John, is just this weird recurring theme. We're going to be talking about Resident Evil again when we get to fantasy critic, because I wouldn't, I wouldn't say there was a, a fatal error made by one of us here on the show today regarding choosing Resident Evil, but, but maybe a little uh, short-sighted. So we'll, we'll talk about that in a few minutes. Uh, over the weekend, the, the big news here, we're, we want to talk about, are games too big nowadays? Uh, I think games are, they mean different things to different people. Different gamers like different genres, different subgenres. What may be important to John in a game may not be so important to me. There's so many levels and layers here that we can discuss. But today we're just posing the question, are games too big nowadays? So from Game Informer, uh, over the weekend, developer Techland made waves on social media by tweeting that its upcoming open world zombie sequel, Dying Light 2 Stay Human, would take at least 500 hours to fully complete. Come on. While the studio likely thought this was good messaging to showcase just how much content is in its branching narrative story, the announcement was met with some backlash amidst the excitement, as some players bemoaned the length and worried about bloat or that they would never see the end of such a massive adventure. Well, the studio responded, uh, basically, (laughs) to not clear things up so much, but they said, uh, you can complete the game that uh, you can complete the story and side quests in 70 to 80 hours if you're not in a rush. Meaning 500 hours, quote unquote, is related to maxing out the game, finishing all the quests, endings, and exploring every part of the world. Then the Twitter account further clarified that you can finish the mainline story in just about 20 hours or so. So lots going on here. I, this is really news about nothing in a way, but I think it, it spurred on a little bit of a debate here just with internally where I'm thinking to myself, are, are games too big? And I, I've got my thoughts on this. I know some people out there will be like, hey, never big enough. You know, you're paying 60 now $70 for it. You might as well get your money's worth. But to me, bigger is not always better. Uh, and uh, quantity does not always equal quality. So I've got some comparables here as we'll get into some of the other big games that have, have come out over the years in terms of time frame. But John, are games too big? Like, react to the Techland news here. Right, I'm a, I'm of many minds to the to this conversation, and it's not there, there's no there's no black and white answer. Um, but it is cut. My my jerk reaction right off the bat is no, they're not too big. Just because that's such a blanket statement, what does that even mean? Are games too big? It's a good question to talk about. But when you when you when you look at it from a ten thousand foot point of view, well, you're, that that blanket goes over all games. Well, not all games are big, right? Like you, you, there's so much. There's so much choice out there. We're we're in such a good time for games, especially things like indie games and like double A stuff like that. Go go on to Steam, go on to the PlayStation Store, go on to Xbox Game Pass right now, and look at the 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 just the selection of games that you have. It, 
does that blanket statement apply to that entire list of games? No, like, you know what I'm saying? So I think if you if you narrow it down a little bit more, like, are AAA games becoming too big? There's a little bit more of a conversation there. But I still think the answer is ultimately no. Just do your research. I mean, play what you want to play. Like, if you... if. if and then another right turn on this conversation is when developers are asked about playtime, they're always probably thinking about the fact that players equate value to, you know, length in the game. That's just such a that's such a thing. That's that's the way our brain works, right? Especially with video games. It's like, oh, this is only five hours, but it's seventy dollars. Insane. Oh, the Witcher's a hundred hours, but it's also, you know, only seventy dollars. Amazing, right? So people equate value with time. So I think developers are 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 more likely to give an answer on the higher side. I bet you that you can complete the main story in Dying Light 2 in 30 hours. I, that, I, would, I would just, that's my bet. 30 hours is probably going to be that number. So yes, this, this is all for nothing. So do I think it's like some kind of problem that's just, you know, infiltrated the gaming industry and we're bloating these, bloating these games for no reason? No, they're, they're side content. Do it. You know, if you don't want to do it, okay. And if the game's too big for you, stay away from it. You got options. So what at, um, at IGN once said... And this kind of like changed my perspective on side missions. Um, I, goodness, I cannot remember Justin. I cannot remember his last name. But he said, the way I look at side missions in open world games are that they're exactly that. They're, and this is so basic. But I think it's important to reel ourselves in sometimes. He goes, they're not main missions. They're not main story chapters. Otherwise, they would be called that. They're additional, optional quests or bits of content that can enhance your game if you haven't gotten enough of it, if you just are looking for more to do. You know, there could be no shortage of them. Maybe it's a co-op game where you want to play with your friends, but you don't want to do some of the main story stuff. So I think that's important to note here. Uh, Techland says you can beat the story in 20 hours for Dying Light 2. I think that's about right. That's on par with a lot of uh, kind of bigger games nowadays. But I think about uh, are games too big? And I, I think my answer is no. But if I want to be more specific, I think yeah, they can be for sure. Because like, if I think about a game like, uh, I guess if it's done properly, a game could never be too big, right? You could you could just go on playing it forever, whatever that looks like, whether it's the scope of the map or the time of the story. There's there's a few ways to look at it. But for me, I'm like, man, like, you know, it's no secret. My favorite game franchise is the Arkham franchise, the Batman series uh, from Rocksteady. I love the size of those games. All that side content, I actually care about, and I would never care about that in 90% of games. I don't care about going after Riddler trophies unless they're called Riddler trophies. Uh, same thing probably for like Jedi Fallen Order. Like I don't care about doing... I, I 100%ed that game twice. That never happens with me. Once, almost. Like To do it twice is uncanny uh, because I care about the lore so much. So, And those are, those are not huge games, but you can sink a lot of time into them if you do... 100% those worlds. Then I think about a game like a, a cyberpunk where it's like, I don't really think they had a grasp on what was going to make a quality game, even though the same studio produced a very well-received game called The Witcher 3 not all that long ago. But it feels like they lost their way with cyberpunk where it was just like more, more missions, more options. And I'm like, that's not always better. Then I have friends who love uh, the Elder Scrolls V Skyrim. And I, I, I tried to love that game so many times. I, I did finish the main story, which I know that's not really the the spirit of playing Skyrim, but so many people would just be like, yeah, I sunk 300 hours into that. I can't, I cannot do enough side missions. And to me, I'm just kind of like, get me from A to B and let me be done with it. So that also speaks to like, what kind of gamer are you? There's no right or wrong answer here, but 
it was a weird flex when when Teclan was like, "Hey, you could do 500 hours." Like any anyone can kind of just inflate their game to have endless side missions nowadays. Right. That, that doesn't make it attractive to me. I think at the end of the day, they just didn't read the room, right? Like that's like I get it. You, you know, you're trying to make your game sound like it has value, but like, all right, pump the brakes a little bit. Like your your last game was a a single player, uh, you know open-ish world game where you can get through it in probably 20 hours or so let's not you know drastically jump up and say this one's going to take 500 hours like read the room and you know realize what you're saying and kind of the context of the question and like you said it, it all comes down to perspective um the, the answer to the question certainly can be yes a game can be too big like for me personally that you, you mentioned one right there the witcher 3 that was a game that i started to play i'm like okay i'm digging this like the the lore's cool the first couple of missions have me pretty intrigued here what's going on and all of a sudden i finished two main quests and then the map opens up and there's thirty thousand question marks and i can't even figure out which one's the main quest i'm like i'm good i'm all right that's not for me so yeah like on a personal level like that game was too big for me and then, you know, on the other, uh, not the other side of the coin, but another way it can happen is if there's a franchise that I've loved um, and it has been a way, a specific way for, you know, the, throughout my enjoyment of it. And then all of a sudden they change the game and make it huge. So I know a lot of people who are Assassin's Creed fans have that argument and that, that complaint with the newer Assassin's Creed games, uh, your Valhalla's and your Odyssey's and whatever the one was before that. Um, they went to an open world style game and a lot of your OG Assassin's Creed fans aren't a fan of that so you know understandable but again it's all about perspective what what are you here for you know what 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 kind of experience do you want do you equate dollars to value you know i'm sorry do you uh, equate hours to value some people do i don't i don't i don't think you do but you know not not at all and honestly a lot of times uh depending on the game more linear and more concise is better for me because it not not always but a lot of times it does result in a more focused, a more quality right. story. I would almost even go as far to say that like dollars for hours played is almost irrelevant for me. Like when I, I don't even think Same. about it. Like I'm looking at like you could pitch me a four hour game. That's like, you know, a super cool linear, you know, cinematic narrative experience. And if it's fun to play, it's a good game. I'm going to pay $70 for it. And not even blink, you know? So, I mean, doesn't it call to mind a game like Life is Strange? Right, yeah, it, it certainly does. I mean, Life is Strange is that that game is what probably eight to ten hours max, and then it, you throw another thirty minutes on there if you want to get the platinum. That's really it. Like that game's totally worth seventy dollars. Like I would have, I would have paid a hundred dollars to experience that game. You know, like it's just to me, it's just so. And I understand. I understand that you know that's a very privileged thing to say. I'm in a situation where I can buy whatever game that I want, and I can you know I I don't have to think about that. So I do understand that there that that's not an argument for some people. That's just the way they have to. They, that's the filter they have to look at this stuff through. So I don't want to make it seem like I'm I I'm blind to that. I know that's the case. I mean, I know that if you have sixty dollars in a, you know to spend on a game, sometimes you might want to you know pick the one that gets you the most playtime. Makes total sense. That's just not something that I'm looking for. For sure, and that that kind of wraps up where we were talking about. There's just no, no two gamers alike when it, it comes to this because everyone's perspective is so different. Like to me, um, as long as they're quality, like I want to get to more games as opposed to diving deeper into one game, unless it's a rare game that just like goes off the chart in my own mind, like a Batman or a Star Wars. Those properties I love, so I want to naturally spend more time there. But um, Maybe there is a budget issue and you're saying, hey, I, w- I can't pay for every game out there, so I'd rather play a big one and just kind of play it endlessly. And that's totally fine. That's acceptable. Maybe you can afford games and you still prefer to, to do that. I have friends who just would rather play the biggest open world game 
once a year, what it, whatever it looks like, whether it's a, a Skyrim or a Cyberpunk or Red Dead Redemption Two, and just just go to town with it. That's not me. In my head, I love the idea of being that kind of gamer, but I'm just not. I'm just not. Yeah, it's got to. You've got to be a little self aware there. I often have that, like you know, that that uh, str- uh, stranded on a desert island thought. It's like you know, what games would I bring if I was like on a desert island with just my Switch, you know, and unlimited power, but no way to get off somehow. But like, you know, what games would I would I want you know want to be able to sink that much time into? And what what has the most bang for your buck? So I think about that stuff all the time, but it's just you know. It's not something I'm, I'm usually thinking about when I'm making my purchase. It's almost the other way. It's like, man, is this game going to be too long? Because I don't want to commit that much time to it nowadays. Dude, you took the words out of my mouth because I was going to say it can deter me from wanting to play a game. Like, I almost didn't pick up Far Cry 6, which I still have not played. You know, you and I both have it sitting there waiting to go. But that was almost a game where I was like, do I want to do this? I'm not going to do a lot of the, so- the side content. I know I won't. I'll do it early on in the game when they introduce it, inevitably. Mm-hmm. But then I'm going to veer right back to the main story. Because I, from at least the trailers and the, the build-up to this game, I care about that storyline and those characters and the, some of those actors. And like, damn, you know? So, I, I don't know. But I was like, mm, can I do this in less than 30 hours? Because if not, I'm probably going to pass. Because I don't think I'm going to love the story that much. That, that's my exact experience with Days Gone. So Days Gone is a game that's been in the news a lot, actually a lot lately because of the you know Sony not greenlighting a sequel and lots of stuff going on there and people you know thinking about the way that Sony's handling the studios whatever read into that maybe we'll talk about that next week if any more comes of it but um, so I got Days Gone and I and I put that game in and I'm like you know I really like this like this gameplay loop is sweet like the it's it's fun to traverse like I'm digging Days Gone like I'm not sure why it's getting middling review scores then all of a sudden I'm like 17 hours into it and I'm like man, I've been doing this for a while. And I look at the thing and like I'm like 30% done with the main story. And I'm like, yo, I got to put another 15 hours into this game just to get to the end of the story. And I'm just starting to get like, this is, this is, this is a lot. I mean, like you can play that game very line- in a very linear way, but it's just so long. So that's a game that's like, man, I gave it a shot and just its length did deter me. I'm like, yo, this is too much, too much. It's uh, a game that, stares me right in the face every time I go to look at the PS collection to say, because I, I kind of am trying to chip my way through some of those games. It's fun. Evil 7. It is fun. Like, like, it, uh, the mechanics yeah. are great. Like it's, it's a really good game, but it's just too much. Like your, like your gameplay loop can only go so far if there's not enough stuff to do. And there's not that much stuff to do in the game. It really is just like riding around, clearing out some camps, finding hordes. Like, you know, you're, you're literally just on your bike and killing zombies. That's like, that's the gameplay. And that's, a, and they did a really good job at making that. It's fun. But for 17 hours or 15 hours, that would have been, an awesome game but for 35 hours for me to to, to roll credits i'm like yo i'm done riding this bike <laughs> dude it matters and then so l- let me propose the counter to that we're saying die um dying light what game were we just talking days about gone. days gone <laughs> sorry everybody days gone is probably not as well it's it's not a it's a moderately well-received game right people don't hate it but it's it's not the problem is it's it's not a horizon. It's not a God of War. It's not in the that staple, right? With the rest of the the PS classics, so to speak. And we're saying it, you're saying if it's a shorter game, it's probably more well received. It's probably a pretty freaking awesome game. So think about that. Like, and that's not always one size fits all, right? It's this is not a sliding scale. I think about a game like The Last of Us, it the original game, 
I don't even know how long that story is. Maybe uh, I was, between ten and fifteen hours. I was so my I would say my first playthrough was probably like seventeen hours, but I did a, I marathoned it one time and I beat it in eleven. So that there's your there's your dichotomy right there. So that is basically the exact right length that that story should have been. We get to Last of Us Part Two, and we tack on quite a bit. In terms of hours. And it wasn't long enough. Story. I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. It wasn't long enough. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like, what are we doing here? No, so sorry. I get you. Check on those hours. Closer, closer to 30, depending on your play style. Some people went closer to 40, depending on exploration. And some you could have just really gone straight through and been a little less. But either way, we're adding on at least 10 hours to that game, if not 15, from the first. And I think it's perfect for what they were trying to do. And a lot of those games that are in that length story could have gotten that wrong. Right. But like, my goodness, it's just, it's so funny how it could be so different. Yeah. Comes off. Sorry, everybody. No, you're good. <laughs> I, it, at the end of the day, it's just personal preference. And I don't think there's any kind of, um, you know, any kind of plague that has come through the gaming industry where people are just making games long to make them long. Like it's, it's a, it's a fair question to ask because it's very weird to see dying late one come from a, a 20 hour game and then to a supposed 500 hour game. Obviously there's some, some yeah. stuff, you know, there's some conversation to be had there and some clarification, but I don't think it's a big issue. I think there's long games and short games. There's plenty of games. Go find something to play. Cause there's <laughs> endless selection. Yeah, that's for sure. Like, um, can you even process the fact that like you and I are playing nothing new right now? And if we go on to like the Xbox or PlayStation Store, there's probably like twelve new releases that came out this week that are probably good games that we could probably just like click, watch a trailer, be done with. We're just not doing that because we're so spoiled with you know the release calendar. I just, man, my perspective changed so much last generation. I'd say so Xbox One, PS4. Um, I prior to that would try to play everything i could i wanted to play just every game to have an opinion on it to talk about it on our show write about uh, you know articles of the gigaverse.com you name it not anymore i have to be selective with my time especially as time goes on and it's not just because life gets busier or you get a house or you have a kid out of the way but it's because there's more quality games than ever and that right. only increases over time so we are a very spoiled generation of gamers here and geeks like, we are awesome. we harp on how amazing game pass is all the time like how often are we playing like you know those random games that pop up we're just you know for me i get my value out of it because i didn't have to pay 60 dollars for halo and forza you know there's my value but somebody else like out there that's like you know our, our example before they're really trying to stretch that buck to play as much as possible can you imagine how many games are playing on game pass right now that we you know we haven't touched you can play for the rest of your life proverbially and you know just they, they would continue to backfill it and it would right. be unbelievable um, just for comparison here, before we move on to Fantasy Critic, uh, Game Informer listed just some of the other times. John, do you ever use the, the website howlongtobeat.com? All the time. All the time. I, do, I don't know if you do this. This is what I do. It's, it's, this is stupid. I should not, but I do. Anyway, I, I look prior to playing a game, if I've got maybe two, three, four, five games that I know are kind of next on the docket. Again, five games, what? Are we spoiled? Uh, and I see how long to beat. If I see a game is 20 hours and another one is five, I'm usually going for the five only because then I can clear it off my list and not feel like I got this backlog. Do you no do doubt. the same thing? 
I don't I don't necessarily prioritize my prioritize my schedule that way. I totally get that. I'm usually just more selective with my stuff. Like I plan it out a little more when it comes to the big releases. What how long to beat.com comes into play when it comes into play for me is when I'm on the fence about a game, especially indie games. I was like, okay, this game looks interesting. It's got a cool art style. What's it gonna take me to beat? Forty hours. Nope. Goodbye. <laughs> like I'm oh, it's thirteen dollars. That's an awesome deal. No chance. I, like, I, I wanted to fit this in between, you know, Horizon and playing Elden Ring or whatever, you know, like, yeah, not a chance. So, that, sure. I, but I use it all the time. I, I don't think I've ever bought a new game in the last five years and not used how long to beat.com unless I watched like a review and they talked about it in there, you know. See, if it's a game that just came out and I know I'm playing it regardless, so it's it's the new Jedi Fallen Order or whatever. I'm not looking at that. I'm just playing the game and I'm trying to be as blind That's as fair. possible when it's a game that is not like a day one for me which is a lot of games uh i'm I'm looking at that for sure i just i don't know there's something about it it's a compulsive close close to a compulsive need for me it just helps me play it yeah i I would say i'm I'm, I'm probably not looking up how long to beat for new games but i do like when like i watch some reviews and i get that information i like to know what i'm in for you know like especially for a game like Jedi Fallen Order, like nobody knew what that was going to be. We, we know, I didn't know, we didn't know that game was going to have like Metroidvania, Metroidvania elements where you're backtracking and stuff like that. And there's like really no fast travel system. None of that stuff we knew. So like knowing that game was going to be a 30 hour experience or so, or roughly 20, 30 hours, something like that. It came out. It was good yeah. to know for me for sure. Yeah. Um, so they game informer compiled some of the, the comparables for this. If you play everything, everything on the map in dying light two, you're going to get to 500 hours or so. Uh, so for comparison's sake, the Witcher three takes 173 hours to play. You know, the, as you mentioned, the 30,000 icons on the map, John, yeah, it equates to 173 hours, uh, 103 hours for cyberpunk seems, seems small. No one's playing that game anymore. They can't give that game away. It's, just it's what a story. Sad. We should do like a, a we should do a documentary on that game, dude. We absolutely should. I'm sure no clip has already done it. <laughs> uh, GTA Five, seventy nine hours. Seems about right. Uh, Red Dead Redemption Two. That's a meaty game. One hundred and seventy two hours. I thought this was really funny. The writer included Rockstar Games presents table tennis just to be a smart ass. Uh, six hours to play <laughs> all the way. <laughs> <laughs> all the way through uh legend of zelda what do we got here 188 hours breath of the wild all right mm-hmm. got it Joe, you, uh, you know there's a lot of those zelda Dump. games right you can't yeah, just yeah, say yeah. <laughs> david john shut up um horizon zero dawn is 76 and a half hours and assassin's creed odyssey and valhalla were 130 and 140 hours just a few more here I want to mention. Uh, Elder Scrolls V, Skyrim, 211 hours. Sounds about right. Yeah. Uh, not that I've ever dabbled anywhere close to that. Fallout 4. This is bonkers. So I played Fallout 4 and I enjoyed it, but I overstayed my welcome a little bit. How in the world can you play that game for 214 hours? What if I like, told you that I, I have... I know how. I have 90 but... hours played in that game and I never finished the main story. Gosh. I just that's some mind blowing story. I, I just know. No, I just. I think I just used to leave it on and like go grab food while I was still on the the, the start screen. <laughs> <laughs> I hate when that happens. Uh, Elder Scrolls Three. We're going back. Morrowind. Three hundred and ninety two hours. All right, we're getting crazy here. Uh, Persona Five. Come on, what do we got here? This feels wrong. One hundred and seventy three hours. 
That's crazy. Yeah, I think that's crazy. I think yeah, that's wrong. Um, no, I know more on the list it's here. Not, that, it's not wrong. That's not wrong. That game has a lot to do. Right. I feel like it should be more. Is what I'm saying. Oh, more. Uh, oh, I don't know about oh, that. I mean, like a, yeah. a a regular playthrough is like probably sixty hours. So I don't know. Okay. I really need to finish. Speaking Dude, of which, come to Switch, please. Persona, <laughs> Persona Five Strikers. I'm excited. Uh, is the one of the the PSN games of the month? Yeah. So uh, it was a game I almost picked up for Switch last year. I'm happy I didn't because I wouldn't have gotten to it. And here I am for free now. Um, playing on my PS5. Last game, I would have mentioned Dragon Quest Nine, a game that I can safely say I know absolutely nothing about, really. Uh, 750 hours. What? Holy crap. You guys are, y'all are crazy. You and your big. I, I need RPGs. to, I would wow. love to understand what that equates to. Like in Dragon Quest nine or eight or whatever you said, is there like a card game that you can sit down and play that like, you know, you have to play that for 20 hours just to get the max amount of credits you can get. And like that just inflates those. Like there, I bet you a bunch of those games have like something like that, where there's like this specific side thing. That's almost its own mini game that takes a stupid amount of time to, you know, max out and doesn't really matter because it's not part of the story or the game at all yeah like what are you doing you know like it's to each their own that's that's crazy that's cool uh we're gonna wrap up the episode here talking about fantasy critic so if you're not familiar fantasy critic is just like your average fantasy football or hockey or baseball whatever you play with your friends or your work colleagues uh they they do it for video games now so we jumped on last year. We did a Geekiverse League. Myself, John, JT, Tim Talbot, Derek Kramer. And uh, things went better for some and definitely not so great for others. John, uh, <laughs> you want to recap everybody on, on what the year looks yeah, like for the league? And we can do that. Let's just start with the rankings. Let's just start with how it played out. Let's go, let's go reverse order. Let's talk about how this year ended up because it is 2022, which means 2021 is over, which means this league is over and somebody has a little bit of a crown next to their name. Did it move from where it was last year? I guess you'll find out shortly. Coming in at fifth place, we've got JT with 48 points. 48 points. We'll talk a little bit about points here. Coming in... actually. John. Oh, not to be oh that's, that's that's projected points. Yep, I'm I'm totally wrong. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I, that that let's rewind a little bit. That projected point was uh, taking into account if some of JT's other games actually came out this year. Uh, JT had 18 points. JT had 18 points. That's what he finished with. We'll go through. I'll, we'll go through the rosters too. But first, let's get through the rankings. Number four, second last place, as some other people like to say, we've got JoJo. And the Geek Machine, a.k.a. Josiah, in second last place with 63 points. Quite the jump from 18 to 63 between you and JT. Uh, coming in at third place, great performance. Man, this was close. You've got Derek Kramer with 93 points. Derek had a very, I thought Derek's team was very competitive. Uh, second place, we've got our friend Tim Talbot. Tim came in with 94 points. Now, it's worth noting that these are broken down to decimals. Tim had 93.62 and Derek had 93.34. You're talking about less than 0.3 of a difference. That's insane for second place, but it doesn't matter because second place gets no reward. And first place is myself <laughs> with 120 points. What a performance by me. That's it. What a performance he said. <laughs> so if, if John... Is the t- would be the Tampa Bay Lightning. 
Uh, I don't even know. What I'm, I'm I'm the San Jose Sharks. And then, man, JT, I love you, brother. But you were the Buffalo Sabres down yeah, there, man. Yeah, absolutely. It was a tough rebuilding year for you. A lot of things just didn't go right. <sighs> so if you, it, they went really bad for me, too. They did. So I, I feel you. I just I, I see you from like a different level. <laughs> we'll go through a little bit about what Fantasy Critic Games is. So it, it's like Joe said, it, it's, 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 it's a fantasy league for games. And what you do is you have a draft. We each pick, I think, in the draft either five or six games. Right? We grab five or six games to be on our team, and we're hoping that those games that come out this year are going to score highly on Open Critic, which is just another version of Metacritic. So game comes out, scores in the 90s, you get a good amount of points from it. Game comes out, you know, ends up in the 60s, you can get negative points from it. So the more points, obviously, the better, the higher, higher it ranks. So we only draft like five or six of these games, but we also have to go throughout the year and fill the rest of our roster. And that's what seems to be the issue for some people. They don't go and add games after the fact. Um, because throughout the year, new games are announced. We, we've got cancellations. We've got delays, stuff like that. Um, that that was JT's biggest downfall. He did not add any games to his, to his team. He didn't keep up on this. So we'll start with his team. JT's team that he picked to, to win in 2021 was Horizon Forbidden West. That was his first overall pick. Ballsy, would have been nice, didn't come out. Halo Infinite, that's the only thing that got him any kind of points right there. Uh, Halo Infinite scored an 87, so he got 17 points for that. Hollow Knight Silk Song, not to be released. Far Cry 6, okay, he picked it pretty late. He got 7 points for it because it scored a 77. Dying Light 2, we just talked about how that game certainly isn't out yet. And then Battlefield 2042, one of the very rare negatives. He got 65 points for it. So we got negative five. The way the scoring works is any point below 70 is a negative point. So that's why JT was in last. He didn't fill out his team for the most part. It was a a little tough. He had some heavy hitters. Had they released, he probably would have shot up the standings with those those bold selections. For Um, sure. Halo being a huge wild card there that still really in the end didn't matter so much, but they got a lot of points. No doubt. Yeah, I mean, it's it's it, when, when you play this, you really have to pay attention. I mean, again, you don't have to look at this thing every week, but you have to be conscious about the fact that all right, I've got four slots left on my on my list here. If you want to compete, you got you got to fill them up. So, if we if JT does this again, which you know, hopefully we do it again next year and we get full participation. Hopefully, we can uh, have a year of more participation. Um, next, I've got Derek's team. I know I'm not going in order, but this is the way they're listed here. Derek had a good team. He filled his team. He put in the work. Unfortunately, he did have two games that didn't end up coming out, so he didn't drop them and add new games, which you can do, but his team was Pokemon Snap, uh, Pokemon Snap, Near Replicant, Pokemon Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl, uh, Final Fantasy 16 didn't come out, Lego Star Wars of Skywalker Saga didn't come out, Samurai Warriors 5, uh, Guilty Gear Strive, Diablo 2 Resurrected, Age of Empires 4, and Lost Judgment. So he uh, didn't score any negative points. Most of those games came out to decent to middling reviews, and he got two zeros because he got two games that didn't come out. So Derek, he did have a really much counter pick with Battlefield, which was nice. It got him a little bonus there. Um, For sure. His team was very well thought out. Like His was not like, hey, going to the top of the AAA list. You know, like There were some, some underrated titles here that really scored well. So Derek's, yeah. Derek did a really good job there. Good strategy. I mean, he picked a lot of like, uh, so there are rules where you can't take like full, you can't just do ports of games or like re-releases, but he was like smart enough to grab some of the remakes, like some of the Nintendo remakes, uh, like Pokemon Snap, or I guess um, that's not a remake, but it's a sequel, but uh, Brilliant Diamond, Shining Pearl, Diablo 2 Resurrected, like games that are critically acclaimed that are just completely re- remade. So those counted. Uh, next, we have Tim's team. Tim did have two blank slots. Wow, he could have taken second place if he wanted to. Um, so he had uh, 
Kana Bridge of Spirits, Mario Golf Super Rush, Shin, uh, Shin Megami Tensei 5, uh, Psychonauts 2, Humankind, Axiom Verge 2, Neo, The World Ends With You, and Tales of Arise. Uh, much like Derek's team, Tim had uh, nothing but decent picks. No negative uh, no negative results. Mario, Mario Golf Super Rush was his lowest scoring at a 71. Um, he basically was tied with with Derek for good reason because he had two empty slots on his team and Derek had two games that didn't even come out. So they both had two, two zeros on the board. So, wow. Not only did they have the same score, they had the same score, the same amount of games. That's pretty crazy. It is pretty crazy. And I mean, man, to think like a point more for Mario golf would have gotten him there. Um, right. Psychonauts too, very underrated in terms of our draft. And that was, I think the second highest scoring game on the list. If we're talking individual games, right. 89 that really did well. For him. 19 yeah. points. That's a, that's a good one for sure. That, that's a good uh, one. No doubt about it. Next, we've got my list. So my first pick, Ratchet and Clank, followed by Deathloop, followed by Returnal, followed by Life is Strange, True Colors. Can I just tell you that those first four are in my top five for game of the year? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Scarlet Nexus, Guardians of the Galaxy, Metroid Ash, I'm sorry, Metroid Dread, Solar Ash, WarioWare, Get It Together, and Sable. So I did what not everybody did, and I finished my list out, and I didn't have a single game that wasn't, wasn't you know, I would say positively looked upon. Uh, WarioWare and Sable both were in the 70s. I guess Solar Ash was too, but I still got five, six, and seven points out of those. But my heavy hitters, Ratchet and Clank, Deathloop, Returnal, uh, and then Metroid Dread. Really, really winning it for me. John drafted second overall. I yeah. drafted first. We did a snake draft. Uh, so I had, a, I had a long time between picks. Uh, I did not pick Ratchet and Clank number one. I, I went with Resident Evil. Uh, I For whatever reason, I was like, you know, this is the hot commodity right now. I think we drafted in April. And I was like, that's what I'm feeling. I'm feeling pretty good about this pick. So I went there. I mean, it didn't kill me. Ratchet and Clank would have gotten me a few more points. But man, John down the list, just like winner after winner. Definitely paternal. Life is strange. Um, and then at E3, he was on his game, man. He was on his game. He, uh, he picked up Metroid Dread as soon as that was announced and then paid way more money probably than he should have <laughs> for Guardians of the Galaxy because, uh, you know, he was trying to outbid me, which I, I don't know if we talked about that, but you have to outbid if two people want to pick up the same game in a given week. Right. Uh, John, smartly thinking I would have picked it up, bid a lot. I didn't have a lot of faith in it, so I didn't bid for it. Of course, it was not a good move on my part, but... Yeah. Uh, yeah, John reaped the rewards there. It certainly didn't win me the league, but eighty-two, you know, eighty-two uh, open credit got me twelve points. That's a that's a good release right there. It padded the lead for sure. For sure. I mean, this year I didn't have a single game crack ninety. Last year I had three of them. Just think of that. <laughs> <That's crazy. laughs> Just think about that, kids. Think about that. That's crazy. Uh, and then Joe, you mentioned your team. Let's go through it. Uh, you picked first, so you're at the top of my list here. Uh, you went with Resident Evil Village, like you said, and you went for Back for Blood. Call of Duty Vanguard, usually a pretty safe pick, but it scored pretty low this year, 72. Uh, yeah. No More Heroes 3, you're coming in with a negative here with Biomutant. Uh, 12 minutes should get you negative points, but it didn't somehow. Uh, Forza Horizon 5, the that might be, that's got to be the highest one of the year right there. And then Lost and Random, uh, followed by two blank spots. Yeah, uh, like I said, Resident Evil Village, it didn't necessarily lose me, uh, the, the draft being up that high, but... Uh, Back for Blood was my second pick, and I really expected that one to do better. And unfortunately, not quite where I needed it to be. Yeah, getting, Call of Duty, I, I, I banked on. Getting getting eight points from your second and third is tough. That, that's going to be a tough uh, tough to bounce back for from. Sure. 
it, it was tough. Uh, Call of Duty traditionally has done well for me and typically reviews high no matter what. This was the first year that it was not so much, so it's going to give me pause as I think about whatever next year's Call of Duty looks like. Uh, I, I was kind of conflicted about No More Heroes 3. I thought that one would do a little bit better. Again, not really great. Uh, Biomutant was a desperation pick because I was realizing that John was picking up so many games around E3, and I was like, hey, this game's coming out soon. It looks like it's getting some good press. Ooh, not so much. And then uh, 12 minutes. John and I both listed it as our, our biggest disappointment of the year. I wouldn't have cared if this one gave me negative 12 points here because it's just, just not good. Not good. Big disappointment. Uh, Forza, I can't believe I was allowed to pick that because that feels like me yeah. picking like NHL 22. But almost. Like it is, like, you know what? I, I understand that. But even saying that is almost a disservice to how good the games are, you know, because it's not that. For sure. It's not that. It really, I mean, there's, well, there, there's years in it's between. It's really great, though. Yeah, like, for sure. I guess it doesn't come out every year. It comes out every other year, just yeah. about. And, and even then, it's not necessarily on that schedule. It, it's but. tough to make the rules for this kind of stuff. Because, yeah, you can't... In, in the way that we have our setup, you're not allowed to pick annual releases. So you can't pick an NHL 22. You can't pick MLB The Show 21, that kind of stuff. Uh, but Call of Duty makes the list because it's technically a new game every year, even though that might be more recycled than most than most sports games nowadays. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it, it's, First, you know... What you, rules are rules, and it's tough to tough to get dicey about that stuff. But I think overall... Things worked out for me. Yeah, I've learned a lot this year uh, for you for sure. Damn it! Uh, next year is going to be different. I swear. You said um, that. You said that in 2020 as well. I'm pretty sure, but did I? I don't. <laughs> doesn't sound right. <laughs> <laughs> I I've got a little bit of a, a different strategy um, going into what will be our draft for this year. We'll see if it pays off or not, and um, it'll be exciting to see what it looks like across the board and to see if our other non-champions have learned anything like I did. Can I so. guess your, your strategy? <laughs> I don't want to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> Draft better games? <laughs> I told you I didn't want to hear it. Oh, what a jerk. All right, let's, let's wrap this shindig up here. Everybody, this has been another wonderful, except for the last part, episode of Busy Sticks. Whether you're listening on podcast services around the globe or watched at youtube.com slash thegeekiverse, we had a lot of fun talking about video games and we look forward to next week as uh, well, we're not going to drop what that is yet because we're, we kind of think we know what the topic is going to be, but we don't know yet. So we don't want to be liars. You know, we yeah, don't want to be like you. me who said, I'm going to do better in 2021. And then I didn't. I All mean, right? you may I have done terrible. better, but you didn't do good enough. No, I didn't. I actually, I have no idea how I did year over year, but uh, you know, it doesn't matter. 63 no. in 2020. Oh, I, 63 what you finished with the same amount of points in both years yes you did that's crazy thanks a lot biomutant i went from 152 to 120 so i dropped by 30 points and i still smoked you guys jesus that's embarrassing (laughs) i mean dropping by 30 points what are you even doing (laughs) yeah real tough (laughs) john talk about something other than your your championship here we're going to talk about some star wars in, in a few minutes we are Tell people about that. <laughs> yeah, so we're, we're pumped about it. So we, uh, so if you're familiar with us, you know that we're we're doing the MCU review. The MCU doesn't stop, so that's not going to stop. We're going to keep chipping away at that. That's been a lot of fun. But uh, we've had the itch to start watching Star Wars again, and we've been we kind of basically vowed that if we're going to watch Star Wars again, we're going to do a reviewed. So we're doing it. Uh, we episode one's in the bag. You can go find A New Hope up on YouTube and on uh, podcast services. That was a lot of fun. And right after this, we're gonna we're gonna break down Empire. We're going in. So uh, we hope you check that out. We're having a lot of fun with it. Going to be a blast. Uh, I promise. 
and that's a promise that I'm going to keep. So, uh, lots of good stuff going on at the Geekiverse. Check us out at thegeekiverse.com. Check out our merch store, thegeekiverse.store, envy.com, and then on all sorts of social media. Get in the conversation with our question of the week at Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and youtube.com slash thegeekiverse. For John, I'm Josiah. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of Busy Sticks. We'll catch you all soon.